Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Friday out there, February 9th, 2024. We're headed to the Super Bowl on Sunday. But welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, Gabe Coon, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 99. Connor, what's the word? What's up, man? How's it hanging? It's a beautiful day. We get to talk about a Tiger's win. Gigi got a contract, and most importantly, <laughs> I secured my Dune 2 IMAX yes, tickets. Yes, March 1st. March 1st. Yes. The, the funny thing about Gigi Jackson, we were talking last night after the game, and you go, I wonder if that 27 points, I wonder if that ultimately they just say, screw it, wave somebody tonight and sign him, and look, look at what happens. Four years, 8.4 million. Is that what I see? 6.1 guaranteed? Pretty! Pretty! Pretty, pretty good. And by the way, speaking of pretty, pretty, have you seen the first episode I have seen of, yes. of uh, Curb? It was pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. But we have three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. Um, we have a loaded show today. Absolutely loaded show. We're going to open on the Tigers and the Grizzlies and what has transpired in the last 24 hours. Gigi Jackson gets a contract. Tigers, of course, beat Temple on the road, 84-77. to And it was uh, more interesting than it should have been. But, you know, there's some discussion to be had. Penny had some uh, interesting comments post-game to talk about. We are going to take a trip around the NFL at the bottom of this hour because we had to move around the schedule, at least a tad bit, because we have some Super Bowl betting that we have to talk through. 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins will join. Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show. 5.30, this is why we had to move the trip around the NFL. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Last time until next football season. He's going to have some good bets for you. I, can I say this? This is this is something interesting that he does. Reba McIntyre is going to be doing the uh, the national anthem um, for the Super Bowl this year. Uh, you know, Country Music Hall of Fame. We get all that. His daughter is a notable national anthem singer. She goes to a bunch of different games throughout the country, arenas, stadiums, NFL games, NBA games, and she sings the national anthem. So she has had a beat on this since she started doing that. So he will have just sort of a lock. I mean, I listen, nothing's a lock. But when, when, when Lee Sterling gives the pick on behalf of his daughter for the over-under on the national anthem, you better listen and you better take it. This is about as good as it gets, about as guaranteed of a win as it gets. But we'll talk to him at 5.30 about that and some other bets. 6 o'clock, Jason Munns will join to talk about the win the Tigers had last night, 84-277. He's from the Commercial Appeal. He's the Memphis Tigers beat reporter for them. We'll get to the Blitz around 6.30. Merrill Hodge went off yesterday. Merrill Hodge is a former ESPN uh, NFL analyst, former quarterback in the NFL. He went off about Caleb Williams and what we think about him as a prospect. And I'll tell you why he is saying what the devil on the sho- my shoulder has been saying about Caleb Williams as a prospect this entire time. Um, but we'll talk about that once we get into the blitz. Small talk will be at 5.50. And that is the show for you. We'll get out with the rewind, send you to the weekend. Now let's open on the Tigers. They're now 17-6, 6-4 in conference after beating Temple 84-77. to Last night, 
I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is it's a lot easier to win ball games when your best players are playing like your best players. Javon Quinterly and, uh, and David Jones were phenomenal last night um, when they were asked and they were called upon. David Jones, of course, 23, 10, and 4 assists. He's starting to get those assist numbers up. He had six steals as well. Now, he still is going to turn the ball over. I've come to just understand that. He has, he's a high-usage guy. High-usage guys turn the ball over. Javon Quinterly, especially in that first half, was phenomenal, but he finished with 19, 5, and 6. He only had three turnovers. He had two steals to add to that. But what we're seeing is when the best players on the team play like the best players on the team, you have a better chance of winning. And I know that that Temple team is not good. They're dead last in the AAC. They're 1-9 in conference. But to get a win on the road – any win is a good win. And here's the thing about it. Um, I, I, I put it out on my X account. Again, G underscore Coon 71. I put it out last night. The silver lining of that game is if they just hit their free throws, it's a double digit, you know, it, it's a snoozer by the end. Um, I know they let them get back in the game when they had a 20-point lead, but they ended up finishing 16 for 31 from the free throw line. And really when it mattered down the stretch of the game, They were 11 for 25 in the second half from the free throw line. They missed six free throws in the span of 50 seconds from the 111 mark counting down. So, like, at the end of the day, yeah, you beat a bad team by seven. It should have been probably an 11-plus point win if you had just knocked down some free throws. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I, I totally agree with you. And then, Gabe Kuhn, how many assists did they have? They had 17 to 11 turnovers. Basketball is a simple sport yes, sometimes. It's, it's, really, it's really simple at times. It really is simple at times. Um, Jonathan Pierre showed some promise last night for the first time, I think this entire year. Um, he had 10 points. He was 3 for 4 from three-point land. Uh, he was one for four from the free throw line, which was not fun. He had two turnovers. But at the same time, that was finally like the first we've seen. This was a guy out of D2 Nova Southeastern who played a prominent role on ball. Uh, he was a 20-point-per-game scorer down the stretch of the season last year. They went 36-0. and They won the national championship in D2. And we had high hopes for what he was going to be. And I think last night was finally the first showing for him. Now, as far as the rotation is concerned, it's kind of interesting to me because we've been talking about the rotation and 10-man and 11-man and how there's no plan at times. This is where the Penny Hardaway rotation kind of gives. It gives a little bit because Jonathan Pierre, if you played that 7-man rotation, 8-man rotation going into last night, he probably wouldn't have gotten minutes. And my truth of last night's game is if you don't have him in that game, knocking down threes when it mattered down the stretch of the game, I don't know if they win that game. I don't know if they have the you know uh, performance they did down the stretch without Jonathan Pierre sort of keeping everybody at arm's length. So that, that's, it, it's sort of an interesting conversation we've had about Penny Hardaway's rotations. I still think he needs to shorten them down. I'll tell you, he did admit that after the game. We'll get to that in a second. But if you do not play eight, nine guys, Jonathan Pierre probably doesn't play in that game, probably doesn't have ten very meaningful points. Yeah, you know, he, he stepped up last night when they needed him to. They were also playing Temple. So, like, it's it's last night's game, I think, is a difficult one to walk away from with really any quote-unquote answers. Right. The, the positives are that David Jones and Javon Quinterly look like themselves. Penny did shorten the rotation. He really only played eight dudes, big minutes. I know the first 10 minutes or so, he still ended up playing, I think, nine guys. Yeah. But it made a little bit more sense because there was some foul trouble out there. And uh, it made sense. Like there, It did seem like yesterday and all this week we've been talking about, if you're going to play guys, make sure that there's a plan and there's defined roles. Last night, it appeared that there was a plan and that guys had defined roles. And it turned out to be just fine. Turned out to be just fine. Jaden Hardaway is, I think, the one that a lot of people are talking about right now. You and I have talked about it. I think that he's getting a little bit too much of the blame, while at the same time, his stretch at the in the second half, he did First get First and cooked. second half. He did get cooked in the second half there when they made their run. So, you know, I understand why people are a little upset with his playing time, but at the end of the day, he only played 11 minutes, and I think that's I don't know. right. It's, I think that's I think right. That's right. Yeah, I think I, that's uh, right. I mean, yeah. Here's like, the thing gonna, about If you're going to play seven or eight guys, Jaden's going to be in that rotation. Exactly. Here's the thing about Jaden Hardaway that I think people need to understand, at least to a certain extent, and I know that his minutes have been relatively bad this year, and he has not scored points, and he's not knocking down the three ball at any you know meaningful rate. Um, and sometimes, like, there was one situation where he attacked a closeout and tried to take a mid-range and got blocked. But 
it is what it is. In the past, though, you know, especially last year, the last two years, Penny, I mean, Jane Hardaway has been a sort of calming presence in a way. He's a guy that you know is not going to shoot you out of games and kill you and shoot you in the foot constantly. And that's why he gets his minutes. Now, this year has been a little bit different in that regard, but this is five years worth of, worth of a sample size where you have Jaden Hardaway playing decent minutes for the Tigers. Now, they have not come as much this year, but still, I think 10, 11 minutes is right for Jaden Hardaway. I don't think he should get all the blame for um, what happened last night. Now, when he was in the game, we saw Temple sort of surge and, and, and you know have good minutes. I do want to mention this, though. He was not the worst in the plus-minus category last night. That was Jaquan Walton. Jaquan Walton was minus five. He was only minus two, Jaden Hardaway. So I, as much as you want to blame you know, Temple being able to get back into that game on the stretches when Jaden Hardaway was playing, I don't think that's the full truth of the situation. I think Jaden Hardaway is a fine role player. Um, he needs to play a lot better. But I, I don't think he should be getting the, the full blame for what has happened, what happened last night. The first half, the first 10 minutes, I had some worry about what the rotation was going to look like because it did appear that Pena was going to go back to playing 9 or 10 guys. And then ultimately, you know, I know he ended up playing 10 guys technically, but when you look at the minutes distribution and how it was used in the, the actual rotation after that first 10 minutes, I was totally fine with it. I had real, really no, no issues with it at all. I thought that last night there are still things to work on, but they had a lot more energy on the defensive end. They were playing together on the offensive end. They came out in the second half a little bit sluggish. The, yeah. the, the one That's... worry that I do have is that they haven't, they haven't been able to put these teams away, and they have been taking their foot off the gas in the second half, and that's they, they've got to keep that flip switched. you got yeah, to keep, keep it on. Keep your energy up. you got to keep the energy up. You can up. call it a light bulb. If a light bulb comes on, keep it on. Like it, it, that's, that's the issue they've had. Even in that, that South Florida game when they lost, you're up by 20, and you just have these emotional lulls. You don't bring the same intensity to the second half that you had in the first half. Right. Like, there are times when this team plays like a top-10 team. There are also times when this, when this team plays like a bottom-half team in the AAC. It's just the, the, the polls for this team and how they play, it's, it's very frustrating to watch at times. And I think it has to do with intensity and, and sort of keeping your foot on the gas. And I will say, Quinterly getting 39 minutes shows to me that Penny learned yes. a lesson from not having a point guard out there and was like, oh, my God, we can't do that again. I, we have to have a point guard out there who can handle the ball, especially with Jalen Young hurt. Now, let's, like, let's, let's really talk about it. Penny Hardaway, we know we've been you know, complaining about rotations and playing 11 guys, and I think the Rice game was just an awful, awful display of that. Um, but they've won two straight games since that. Um, he said after the game, Penny, on the postgame show, I need to find five to seven guys now, no more playing everybody. And then when he talked with the press after the game, when he stepped up to the podium, he said we need seven to eight guys that he really trusts. This is where it gets confusing and, and kind of uh, a, a little bit interesting, is who are, those, who, are those, who are those guys? We know that the top six is taken care of. Um, when we look at David Jones, Nick Jordan, Naquan Tomlin, Javon Quinterly, Jaquan Walton, and Malcolm Dandridge, those are givens. They're going to get a lot of minutes. They're going to get a boatload of minutes. Who are the six to eight? Who's 7-8 who's in, this, in this rotation? Jalen Young couldn't play. That's a guy that people tend to like, secondary ball handler. I think that that could be a guy that you put in there. Uh, Jaden Hardaway is certainly a guy. I know that people are frustrated with his minutes right now. But he has earned trust over a four- or five-year span that I think Penny is not going to just sit him on the bench and not give him minutes. Um, And then, you know, before last night, I wouldn't have thought this would have been the case. But Jonathan Pierre, after that game, you have to think about at least giving him some minutes going forward. As much as we talk about these rotations and how frustrated we are, it's actually a little bit more complicated when you break down the bodies they actually have and how they've been playing. Yeah, and I think that's where you and I have just been talking about. If you're going to play guys, just have a plan. Have a, have roles right. for these players. Right. And if you find those eight guys. Let them guys, know who they're going to play next yes, to. Yes, don't just be ripping guys out in the first five minutes because they make a turnover. Like, that's not a plan. There's no plan there. That's just guys get tight it's when that happens. It's reactionary. Last night, I didn't feel as if the rotation was reactionary. It did feel as if there was a plan somewhere, and Jonathan Pierre was obviously part of that plan, especially with Young out of the game. So if he wants to, you know, 
say that those seven, eight guys are either going to be Jonathan Pierre, Jaden Harloway, or, or Young on a given night. If he d- decides between those three which combination of two is best, I think I'm okay with that. Now, we'll talk to Jason Munns about this later, but he wrote a story in the Commercial Appeal uh, after that game last night, after Jonathan Pierre had his best game of the season. And apparently there was a talk that Penny Hardaway and Jonathan Pierre had in, in recent weeks about him sort of dropping ego and uh, you know changing his mm. mindset. And maybe that led to... What we saw last night. Now, there's there's a couple of different ways to look at it. You could say, okay, Jonathan Pierre has figured it out, and maybe he'll move forward and play meaningful minutes for this team. I also think there's a the realistic possibility that you look at the other side of that. Ashton Hardaway, early in this season, in that Michigan game, he had 17 points in 18 minutes. He hasn't given minutes like that since. Right. So you have to be careful about the Jonathan Pierre thinking he's already, like that game last night, you have to be careful thinking that that is who he's going to be the rest of the year. It was encouraging, but it was Temple. Yes. Yes. And you needed him, and he stepped up, but is he going to do that consistently? I don't know, and I wouldn't project it. But I would imagine, based on what he did last night, he's earned himself some minutes at least going into that Tulane game. It was encouraging. Coming up Sunday. Yeah. Coming up Sunday. Now, also in the AAC, we had Florida Atlantic drop one to UAB in overtime on the road, 76-73. to Now, I know there's a lot of Tiger fans out there because of sort of the – and I'm not going to call it a full rivalry rivalry um, because historical significance means something here. But a pseudo-rivalry because of what happened in the NCAA tournament. I saw a lot of Tiger fans sort of, you know, taking pride, being happy that Florida Atlantic dropped one. Um, I think you need to be careful with that. Uh, Florida Atlantic is one of the best uh, – Net teams that you have left on your schedule, I think it'll still be a quad one um, on the road, especially. And if they stay in the top 30, which they did after last night, they only dropped from 25 to 28 in the net. It could be a, a quad one at home as well. But you have to be careful with rooting for Florida Atlantic to lose because that is part of building your resume. You need those games to mean something. You don't need them to drop more games like they did last night to UAB. Yeah, it's really fun when you see the score at first, and then when you think about it, you're like, damn it. Yes. You're like, no, we need them to – we kind of need them to, to have a, a good resume so that when Memphis beats them or hopefully beats them, you know, it helps them out in, in, on their side. But at the same time, it is kind of fun. Yeah, it is kind of fun. Yeah, they lost. Yeah. They talk a lot of S. They talk a lot of S for a team that's been around for like literally a season. For a season and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, can y'all relax? It's a lot. Yeah. Finish it's constructing your. They your got to a first. Final Four. Good for you. Do they it again. They call timeout, damn it. Do it again. Do it again. And then we'll, then we'll respect it. Then we'll respect Finish it. your construction first. Yes. Now, uh, uh, moving on to the Grizzlies. They dropped one last night. I don't really care, though. As, as simple as I can put it. Vince they're, Williams, wee! Gigi, wee! They're 18-34. <laughs> They've lost seven straight games. I don't care, though. They lost 118-110. Uh, the story from last night, though, is Gigi Jackson. Um, there's no question about it. Vince Williams Jr. almost had a triple-double last night. He did. 13-11-8. Yeah, yeah, yes, he did. Um, but Gigi Jackson, 27 freaking points off of the bench. Off of the bench. He, at 19 years and 53 days became the youngest player in NBA history to score 25-plus points off the bench. Previously, that was Kobe Bryant at 19 years and 78 days. I I loved seeing when that news was delivered to Gigi Jackson in the locker room when they were interviewing him. I love seeing his reaction. He's still a kid, man. Like, there's a bliss about him. There's just like this, you know, ignorance is bliss type thing that that we have going with him. But, um... He, he's he's phenomenal, and because of that game, we talked about it last night. You said, okay, 27 points. He's been showing a lot of promise. You bring in Lamar Stevens and Chamezie Metu. Who's, who's going to get dropped out of those two guys? They end up dropping uh, Metu. Um, and you said, okay, um, are, are they going to sign Gigi Jackson tonight? They did. Four years, $8.4 million standard contract, $6.1 million guaranteed. He is signed going into the future. And I think last night was the moment for me. I've been having this running conversation. You and I have been having this running conversation of his development. Is it if he'll develop into the player that they want him or when he develops into the player that they want him to be? I think I am now thoroughly on the win train. I think I I, I believe Gigi Jackson has what it takes to be a really good key cog in this Grizzlies rotation going forward. And I think the upside... Um, truly could could lend lend itself to being in the starting lineup at some point. Obviously, we're, we're a ways off from that, and we need to see this, this continue. But G.G. Jackson, when it comes to the three-point ball, 
um, his offensive bag, the defensive upside, the effort he brings yeah. on the defensive yeah. side. You, you just love what you're seeing from this kid, and it's impressive as hell. At 19 years and 53 going on, 54 days today, what he's been able to accomplish already. It was pretty cool, too, that he did it on Kobe Day. I thought that was pretty poetic. Sports have a tendency to do that, so it was another example of it. But, but Gabe, welcome, brother. Yep. Welcome, welcome to the train. We're happy to have you. It is so exciting watching Gigi Jackson figure it out every few games. And I had people that I knew at the game last night, and they were texting me, and they were like, the biggest thing about Gigi that you notice, I think, versus a few other rookies, especially some of the rookies that the Grizzlies have had the last few years, uh, not named Vince Williams Jr., he looks like an NBA player. Yeah. He's moving with them. He, he's not overwhelmed by the size. He's not overwhelmed by the speed. At, 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 there were moments last night where he he changed the pace of the game to match what he wanted to do. That Euro step he hit in the lane yep. was like, oh, he's got that in his bag. But then what's really encouraging about him and what makes him truly have potential to be something special for this team I think is on the defensive end and his rebounding. He's yep. worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Showing up on that end in a way that I didn't expect to be there this season at least. The offensive side of the ball, we knew he was there. He's got the skill set. He's got the size. He's got the shooting ability. I will say the consistency of the shooting has been surprising and extremely encouraging. But it's his activity on the defensive end that really has me with stars in my eyes with this kid. It is extremely exciting. And to have him and Vince locked down on these absolute ski mask deals by climbing, it's a huge win. Huge win. It makes this the pain of this season, this Grizzly season, should pay off. And Vince Williams Jr. and Gigi Jackson will be major reasons why. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I love the kid. I I just, I, I can't get enough. Now, I think... When we have somebody like Gigi Jackson or a, or a you know developmental prospect, you want to try to see okay what can he become, like, and I think you need to sometimes try to put it into realistic terms and maybe compare him to somebody in the NBA now, and I, I don't know if Gigi Jackson has a perfect comparison. I don't think there's a perfect one I can point to because I think the upside's unbelievable and we haven't unlocked even it doesn't feel like we've unlocked half of it at this point. But one I came up with, Connor, and I want to bounce this off you. Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr., of course, with the Nuggets. We know he's a three-point specialist. Um, He's tall. He's long. He doesn't rebound at the same level as Gigi, give that type of effort. But he's not a terrible defender. Um, But he knocks down a three-ball, catch-and-shoot type guy. He has a little bit of an offensive bag to go with it. I think he had uh, upwards of 20-some-odd points last night in the game he played. Um, And he was really vital to that Nuggets championship run last year. I think that's about as close as I can get to sort of a realistic um, plateau or a, a, re- a realistic thing to shoot for. Um, now, who knows? Gigi Jackson, with how young he is, with what he can do going forward, he may he may eclipse that. 
Um, but I think Michael Porter Jr. is the most realistic comparison I can come up with. And I think also, I know that Michael Porter Jr. coming into the league, he was more riddled with injury, and that's why he dropped in the draft. But I think there's some comparisons to how they, you know, sure. went, through, went yeah. through their college days into the draft. They had really, um, you know, seasons in the SEC that were not up to snuff, and they dropped because of that. I know that there's a difference in Michael Porter Jr.'s injuries versus Gigi Jackson's supposed character issues, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of comparisons you can draw between those two. I don't I don't hate it. Um, I'm like you said, I don't think it's a perfect one to one. But in terms of how they may want to use Gigi Jackson the next few years, at least while he's still developing, and they're kind of figuring out what he can be in the NBA. That type of role's not bad for him. And he's right. kind of been doing that. He has been similar. He's standing around the three-point line. He'll catch and shoot most of the time. But he has shown an ability to take guys off the dribble and and have a playmaking edge to him when he needs to. Uh, I do think his defensive activity is a little bit better than Michael Porter Jr., but you could also tie that back to my, MPJ's back issues. I think the true answer for Gigi is it's probably a little too early to figure out what his his quote unquote comp is. Right. I know coming out of high school it was Jason Tatum, but that's that's true <laughs> for the stars. Yeah, that's true for ridiculous. stars. Now I will say he's only played fourteen real games in the NBA technically that you have a sample size of, but when you compare it to Jason Tatum's rookie season, the numbers are very similar. So that's encouraging, but we'll see how it looks. The way smaller sample size. Wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah, that was an 80-game sample size with Tatum. Right. So let's see if he can stay on that track. I've had a few people say, like, a fully realized Rudy Gay, whatever that means. I, mean, yeah. I don't hate that either. Um, so, yeah, I think really they might try to use Gigi Jackson the way that the Nuggets use Michael Porter Jr., but his defensive upside, I think his rebounding upside might be a little bit more. It's just he is a ball of potential but, right but now, I, and he's I, having flashes of, I, oh, I think he's going to be for real. I do think he'll be in the rotation next year, whether it's the eighth or ninth man. He'll be in there. Depending on some moves, we could talk about some of the comments that got made today. Maybe there's going right. to be some some more room for Gigi Jackson minutes next year if a couple moves get made. So, I don't know. It's just... I will say, watching the Grizzlies right now, Vince, Jaron, even Scottie Pippen Jr. in moments, yep. and Gigi have made it so much fun. It's so much fun to watch this team right now and how yeah. they compete. I, and just I, I every think, single night, well, they're going to they're they're punch a team in the mouth, and sometimes they'll beat them, but most of the time they won't. But it's just... It's really fun right now, man. And I will, I will add to this. I'm happy for Trey Jamison. I still have questions yeah. about his long-term viability in the NBA. But for the rest of the season, sure, I'm happy yeah. to have him around. He has good energy when he's out there. I'm really happy for him. Maybe he can show that he has a role in the NBA somewhere. I do. I just have questions about whether yeah. it's going to be. He fouls too much. For, yeah, he still fouls. Yeah. I have questions whether it's going to be for the Grizzlies. But at the same time, really happy for him. He earned it. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, and for those that don't know what Connor's referring to is the fact that Gigi Jackson got converted to a full contract. Uh, we have uh, uh, Trey Jimison now signed to a two-way. He's upgraded from the 10-day to a two-way, so that's solid for him. But what do you think about the roster spot that freed up for Gigi? Yeah, that was Chimese a May two yeah. over Lamar Stevens. Now, Zach Kleiman you know, talked about the trade deadline, and he said he wants to give Lamar Stevens – and Yuta Watanabe some run with this Grizzlies team. I thought it was an interesting move, though, comparatively to what I thought it was going to be because I thought Chamezi Metu is bigger, rebounds. You need some bigs the rest of the year. To go with Lamar Stevens over him was a little bit of a head-scratcher. But in the end of the day, I promise you I'm saying that. I'm not holding it against anybody. I really don't care for the rest of the year because Lamar Stevens is an expiring contract. He's going to be off the books anyway by the time we get to next year. Right. It, it's it's ultimately May inco- too would have been it, as well. It's on- ultimately inconsequential. Maybe they see something in Lamar Stevens that they want to check out. Maybe Metu said, "Hey, I came from a contending team, and y'all aren't doing nothing. This can you just wave me so I can go to a contending team? Maybe find a yeah, spot. Yeah, you Somebody, never know. You never know what happens. So it's, it's inconsequential. At the end of the day, the important thing is. It's still an expiring contract. They made the roster move to where they could sign Gigi, and that's all that matters. Yeah, but like you, that, <laughs> the thought process, though, is you needed big. Yeah, but that's and what Jamison's going to do. And I think Matu definitely fits that category a lot better than Lamar. Definitely. Steve. I do still think, though, they want to see Jaron at the five. Whether or not you agree with it, they want to see it. They want to sample size with it. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. I still, again, I, I will... I, to my dying day, I will continue to say this, unless Jaron proves me wrong. I think you need you, you need a big that can bang with other big centers in the league, you need a rebounder alongside Jaron. That's just what it is. And people have called it trading wheels over the years. I don't think See, that's what it I, is. I don't disagree with that. 
But at the same time, every single NBA playoffs that we watch now, big guys like that cannot play. And you need somebody like Jaren that can run the five. Yeah, but so it's but it's even in regular. But, but but here's the thing. I want to see. In, I in the see. playoffs, you can switch up your rotations. That's fine. We yeah. saw them do that against the Timberwolves, taking Stephen Adams out of the rotation altogether. You got Z, you got a DNP one game. Yeah, when they played the Timberwolves a couple years back and won that series. But during the regular season, the long haul, eighty-two games. You know, Jaron in his past has had some issues with injuries. You just need that guy. They'll have one. But I, 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 I'm with you. But you, for to to place yourself in a preferential spot come the playoffs, you need that guy next to Jaron. Yeah. I'm now in the playoffs, if you want to run him at five consistently, and and you feel like your bigs being played off the floor, take him off the floor. It's a different rotation you can run out there in the playoffs depending on matchup. But you need that guy over the long haul. Yeah. It's that simple. And I, I th- and, yeah. I, and I have full confidence they're going to do that and find depth at that position. Totally agree. That's why, though, right now, give him those minutes at the five. See what he can do. Let yeah. him get used to it a little bit. He's going to have to play the five for the Grizzlies in his yes. career. It's going to have to happen. Whether it's gonna, The playoffs, he, he will have to do it. He's done it before. The numbers with BC are really good when he's at the five. The numbers with him at the five with Gigi and Vince out there are, are really good. That's a, that's a very small sample size right now. But they're, look, they're looking positive. I am just saying that this idea that Jaron Jackson Jr. should never be a five for the Grizzlies – I don't really understand why people are so against it. He's going to have to be able to play I, that position at well, some point for the Grizzlies. Whether I'm not saying it, it's every single night, but matchups in the playoffs, he is going to have to be able to play that position, and I believe he can because he has shown the ability to. You need somebody next to him that can rebound. The, the, the thing is, and, Connor, I don't know if I, I don't know if people are rejecting that he has to play the five. I think everybody knows he's going to have to play the five in certain closing lineups. He's great on defense. We understand that. He's a big presence. But I think what people push back against is the fact that if you view him as a full-time five. I don't think anybody does. I think that's does. wrong. I don't think, I think anyone that's completely does. wrong. I don't think the Grizzlies have signaled that. I don't think anybody thinks there that. There was a thought when he first got in the NBA that that could be what he grows okay, into. That, okay, so six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> But, but growing into it, we're you know what six? How many years are we into his career? Six. Yeah, I mean that, this was the this was the point in time where people thought that that could be a possibility, and uh, you know I don't know. Again, I don't think people reject the thought process behind him playing the five. It's just about consistently being the five for this team. But we'll see what happens. I think they're going to they're going to find a rebounder. They're going to find a big to replace some of that I Stephen really Adams like, and X production. I'm, I'm a big fan of what Harrington floated. Big fan. Go he, ahead. he floated like Santi and Z or LaRavia and a pick swap for Wendell Carter. That would be beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. It, it, but it's about the magic and what they want to do going forward with him. He's yeah, been, he's been very good for them, and they're they, going to have to pay people soon, though. They, yeah, but they didn't want to. They didn't want to move him this trade deadline. Uh, they but the to, things change. They're going to have to pay people. Things, yeah, things change when you get down. Yeah, it's uh, going to change when those max contracts. When hit. you get yeah. down to the money situation, <laughs> the salary cap yeah. situation. Now, Zach Kleiman spoke to the media today. A couple things that jumped off the page for me. Um, on Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia. We know they haven't been good. And I think yesterday what, what was signaled to me um, when Roddy was the guy that got traded, he's been the better of all three of those guys, the best of all three of those guys. What was signaled to me is they didn't have any value on the open market. And they, I, it doesn't surprise me. Neither of them have shown much promise at all. Um, Jake LaRavia, none. Zaire, very, very slim. Like, just not much. He basically spoke on it, and he said they're going to get minutes down the stretch of the season to show if they can be long term, you know, uh, long term on this roster. But he basically, like the the tone of it, he sort of put it as anything's possible. But it sounds more at this moment like Zach Kleiman and this front office are leaning to these guys are not going to be a part of our future. But they, right. they had they. But here's the thing: he did mention. They have the capability of changing that. Yeah, I just just because of the injuries in the roster this year, there are going to be moments where those guys probably get some minutes. But I think that the moves with Vince Williams Jr., Gigi Jackson, yeah. the trade deadline Makes moves, them way expendable all of them signal a- that able to move on. they do not believe these two guys are part of at least the core. End of the bench, whatever. Like we talked about, our minds and have been warped this also, year to think that the 14th and 15th guy really, really matters. When in reality, you want to have guys that are probably better than them at the end of the bench, but they're going to get to see, they're going to get to at least a chance to show what they have 
we have doubts that they have anything to show, and maybe they're, they're just waiting for them to put the final nail in their respective coffin so they can move them off. But it, it's pretty obvious to me that they tried to move them at the deadline, and people were like, nah. Yeah, no, and if you, if, you no, use your, you. if you use your thinking cap about it, if they were willing to move off a Roddy and let yes. him go somewhere, they're definitely willing to let Z- Zaire Great and Jake point. LaRavia Great point. Um, also, and this is the final thing I'll mention, on Luke Kennard, a lot of people were talking about maybe using him as a trade piece because he's going to be owed, what, $14.1 million on a team option next year. Based on what Zach Kleiman said, they're going to pick that damn thing up and they're going to try to run with it. Um, I he, he mentioned you need, a three, you need a guy who can space it out. You need a guy who can shoot a three. He values what he brings to, to the floor every single night. So it sounds like Luke Kennard, as much as we were talking about him being a potential trade piece, I don't know if the Grizzlies really had that thought process in their head at all. And I, and I get it because um, as you get move forward with this particular team, you have to get to a point as opposed to you know the last two years. Um, and I know the last two years were great with 50 wins and second in the West. You have to get a more dynamic 21st century offense. Yeah. And what do you need in a 21st century offense? Shooting. And what does Luke Kennard do better than anybody else in the league at the three-point line? Shooting. So they, they, I don't think there was ever really a realistic thought process of moving him at the trade deadline or going into this offseason. Yeah, I never really bought into the idea that Luke Kennard was going to get moved. They may have jingled him in front of some teams and said, Luke Kennard, and just seen what happened. But ultimately, they would have had to get somebody back who could shoot a three-point ball. And I just don't think that those options were necessarily available at the deadline. It, whether he... They they take his because they have a team option. Whether they do the team team option or they tell him to opt out and then they sign him long term, yeah. that may happen as well. You might get a more team friendly deal that way. Don't know. I do think though that they plan on Luke Kennard to be a part of this team moving forward. Now that doesn't mean that they may not try to shop him again at the at the draft if something comes up. I I do think that he is an asset that they will have moving forward. But he is an asset that I think that they lean to keeping on the team because of what his skill set is. And when you look at the numbers with this team healthy, with Jai out there and Bain, and he is very, very effective. He's been effective when he's been healthy this year playing with these and, G League guys. The other part, he's showing flashes of playmaking. Yes, that's the thing. He's, I'm a he's, big decent, fan. he's been decent on ball with all these injuries. Yeah. And you needed creators because, you know, the half-card offense has been so bad really the past two years, especially when you get into the nitty-gritty of the playoffs. A guy like that who can be a secondary creator, who can knock down a three when you ask him to, that's that's very valuable for this particular Speaking team. of, I just want to give a shout-out to our guy, Gilly. Like, Gilliard, playing his ass off every night, man. Yeah. really is. I know that the two-way stuff for him is about to come to an end. And just, it has been a pleasure to watch him play this year. I wish that the circumstances were a little bit different for him. But, man, he can hope. He can shoot. But he's the five young, foot seven. I know, seven, man, five, but the youngin can shoot. The kid if he can was shoot. six two, hell yeah. Yeah. This Scotty's playing well, too. Yeah. I've, I've liked what I've seen from Scotty I wonder Jr. what the plan is for, for him going forward. Probably keep him on a two-way as long as he can and see what, see, probably. See what he gives you. Yeah. Yeah, but he'll get a lot of run the rest of the year. Yes, he will. My my brother, who is a six seventy score in Chicago, uh, he was watching the game last night, and he just texts me and my dad, and we have a group chat together, and he goes, "Scotty Pippen Jr. starting at point guard for y'all." <laughs> Did said, you just send him the injury report? I said, I said, yeah. There's there's eleven to thirteen guys out every night at this point, Alex. That's just how it's going to work the rest of the year, but. That, that definitely there threw was him a off. lineup one point last night where I think John Conchar was the only person out there that had a real NBA contract. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> Wee, GG. Now, it, it's, it, I, it, this goes back to my point. You say you're having fun still with this I team. I am. I'm having fun. I, I think it's going to, uh, the fun is going to dissipate, especially once we get like out of the. You know, all star break. I don't know, man. I, I I'm going to enjoy the, it. I think the, I, well, I'll watch. I don't know how enjoyable it's going to be. You can stay on that side. I'm going <laughs> to stay on the this is fun side. Because for me, it's what what is there to lose this? Like, we know that they're going to lose I, the games. I, I understand that, but like. And at some point, it's going to turn into pick watch, and that's fun. You're going to start getting to the draft prospects, figuring out what they I might think, be able to I do. I think now that Gigi's converted, it's like, what other moves? Like, who else is going to stick? I, like, who else do they have a roster spot that they're actually thinking about keeping long term? I think that all the moves that we wanted to see made with Vince Williams Jr. and with with Gigi Jackson, they're they're made. Yeah. So like that that limits the fun. That limits. Oh, like, I'm not sure. That limits Maybe, the upside. But for, for me, me I'm, the fun for me is still seeing these guys develop and. You're going to get Luke Kennard back. You'll get Marcus Smart back. You'll get Desmond Bain back. 
Kleiman mentioned today that BC might make a cameo this year. There are things to look forward to. This team's not going to win. This team's not going to win a lot of basketball games. They'll win a few more when those guys come back. But at the end of the day, watching this team develop is going to be the light at the end of the tunnel of this dark season. And I'm choosing to have fun with it. Okay. Rock on. Rock on. Eternal optimist. You're damn right. What, what's your what's your nickname? I'm, I always, Prince of Positivity. Prince of Positivity, Connor Dunning. Now let's go ahead and grab a break, though, and on the other side, we'll get to a trip around the National Football League, and I'll also give you my keys to Super Bowl 58 for each side, the Chiefs and the 49ers. That's next, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time to take a trip around the National Football League. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, and it is always brought to you by Longshot. The Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is the MVP. It was announced at NFL Honors. He did not not have a long speech by any stretch of the imagination, but he's the 11th player to win the MVP multiple times. He joins Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, the likes of people like that, Johnny Unitas. But now when you look at his career in football, he's already a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's unbelievable what we've seen from this guy. He's a two-time MVP, two-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, one-time pass touchdown leader. And when we look at like what he did in college, Heisman, Maxwell, Walter Camp, All-American. He was the college football player of the year, according to the AP. He was a unanimous All-American. When you look at a guy at 27 years old, you do not get resumes like this. I, I respect the hell out of Lamar Jackson, and I'm happy he won it two times. Um, I thought he was deserving of it this year. Other people will have different takes because of what happened in the AFC Championship, but it is what it is. I thought uh, when we talk about that AFC Championship, as much as Lamar didn't play well, we need to talk about how Todd Munkin called offense. They didn't run the ball very well, and they didn't run the ball at all. So there is that. But shout-out to Lamar Jackson for winning his second MVP. Now, also uh, at NFL Honors, Christian McCaffrey was the Offensive Player of the Year. Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, both from the Texans, Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year, respectively. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year. What did we think about this one, Kyle? We thought it was going to be DeMar Hamlin. It ended up being something about Flacco. There's just something about Flacco. Something about Flacco. There's just something about Flacco. I'll tell you what, Coach of the Year was Kevin Stefanski. So uh, the the – Browns did well for themselves, as well as their assistant coach of the year, uh, Jim Schwartz, who is the D.C., and then Walter Payton, man of the year, Cam Hayward. He is a, he's all. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Awesome, man. He's awesome. He's getting close to retirement, though, got to say. And then Hall of Famers. Let's talk about this real quick. Julius Peppers. I said that. Andre Johnson. The fact that Torrey Holt can't get in frustrates me, but Andre Johnson, I'm cool with. Patrick Willis, Devin Hester finally gets in, return man. Uh, Dwight Freeney, Steve McMichael, Randy uh, Gratishar get in. The one that I just can't get that didn't get in is Antonio Gates. He'll get in eventually. I, I, I fully believe that. But he's seventh all-time in receiving touchdowns as a tight end. I believe he's the leader in receiving touchdowns for tight ends all-time. He's ahead of Tony Gonzalez. Like, what What are we doing? It, it, that's, it, it's a layup. It's an absolute layup. But uh, the NFL honors was fun. Um, but shout out Lamar Jackson first and foremost because his his career and his resume at 27 it it exceeds just about everybody we've seen uh, outside of maybe Patrick Mahomes. The Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. I talked about um, their interviews at defensive coordinator yesterday. Rex Ryan, sexy Rexy, was the guy who got the the uh, interview yesterday. But they end up hiring Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, former Vikings head coach. As the defensive coordinator, he was with the Cowboys all the way up till 2006. He's a lifetime defensive guy. He's a great defensive coordinator. I really like this hire. Now, again, regardless of who took that job, they were going to get a good guy in there because people want to go coach for the Cowboys. Regardless of who it is, Mike Zimmer now, he's going to have to get that run defense right. 
In the end of the day, that's what killed them against the Packers. Dan Quinn, it was his worst game called of the year. He was not ready to buck up against those big sets and those running sets that the Packers were running at him. Mike Zimmer's going to have to get that squared away, but he has a lot uh, that, that he can rely on. Trayvon Diggs, uh, Micah Parsons. Um, you look at some of those edge rushers that they still have. They're just going to have to beef up in the interior of the defensive line and at linebacker, and I think they'll be okay. The Los Angeles Chargers. All right, now Greg Roman is officially their OC. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, they hired Marcus Brady as a pass game coordinator. Maybe that changes something. But Greg Roman is their OC. And also, this is fun for me. Um, just the day after, or re- really hours after Patrick Willis got into the Hall of Fame, Navarro Bowman is going to be hired as the linebackers coach in L.A. And he's been a defensive analyst at Maryland since he got done with his uh, NFL career. But I, I seriously, like looking back, at that Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. Of course, the Ravens got over top with Joe Flacco. I think that that 49ers defense was the best defense to never win a Super Bowl. Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis at linebacker. Justin Smith, Alden Smith up front. Dante Whitner, one of the Dante Hitner at, at safety. That was a nasty defense. But it's cool to see Navarro Bowman get a shot in the NFL. The New England Patriots. And this goes right there with that. Dante Hightower, who was a longtime linebacker for the uh, for the uh, Patriots. He's been hired as the linebacker's coach for Gerard Mayo, who's the new head coach for the Patriots. So shout out to him. Now we need to get to some uh, we need to get some keys to the game, huh, Connor? Yes, sir. Give me some keys to the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. All right, my one key. My one key. It's very, very simple. Um, I think Todd Munkin gave them a layup as far as what the AFC Championship game plan was. He was scared, for some reason, to run the ball with a team that was uh, first in run play percentage the entire year, Uh, a team that has Lamar Jackson, a team that has a good run-blocking offensive line. Todd Munkin let it be easy on Steve Spagnuolo. What it comes down to in this game for me, can they stop the run? Can they stop the run? Because if the 49ers get it going with Christian McCaffrey on the ground in the first half, it opens up so much for them. They can take downfield shots off play action, and that is what Kyle Shanahan lives off of. Now, obviously, he's from that West Coast mindset where he used to usually, uh, back in the day, used to dink and dunk with Matt Ryan and Jimmy G before or after that. Um, but now he can take those shots downfield. If the Chiefs cannot stop the run, it will be very, very hard. And here's the other thing. The Chiefs need to make sure that they do not get down in the first half. They need to have a lead going out of the first half. Because, did you know the Chiefs are 28th in second half scoring this year? And the 49ers are first in second half scoring? So stop the run and make sure that you have a lead at halftime. That's Those are my keys for the Chiefs. The Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Not the Seattle Seahawks. The button's next to it, my bad. <laughs> in FC West, same thing. Um, but the, for the San Francisco 49ers, it's very simple. I've already talked about it this week. Get pressure after Patrick Mahomes. Get him on the ground. Don't let him break the pocket. And you have Nick Bosa up there. You have Chase Young. You have Javon Hargrave. You have Javon Kinlaw. You have all these guys that are capable of getting after the quarterback. You have two linebackers who are good on blitzes when you look at uh, uh, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Make sure you get after him. Get him on the ground because this is what inevitably happens if you let him escape the pocket. He's going to find Travis Kelsey sitting in his own somewhere, and he's going to convert on third down consistently. The more time you allow him, the easier it is for him to operate with Travis Kelsey. Get him on the ground. Get after him and find a way to limit what him and Travis Kelsey can do. And People have talked about Travis Kelsey not being a route runner. And I, I, it's kind of funny that this is finally coming up. He's been in the AFC Championship the past six years and four of the last six Super Bowls. But he's not a route runner. He's a guy who will just consistently be smart and find the soft spots in your defense. If you do not allow Patrick Mahomes to sit back there and find those, you can win the ball game. And remember the one, the, the, the Super Bowl, the one Super Bowl, right? The Patrick Mahomes lost. You remember what happened? Remember what happened, what the Bucs did to him when Tom Brady won? They got after his ass. Shaq Barrett, uh, J- I mean, J- they just got after him consistently. Now, he didn't have an O-line up front, and they have just about a full O-line, but Joe Tooney's not going to be starting their all-pro left guard. Find a way to get after him because it's been shown, even in the Super Bowl, if you can find a way to keep him uncomfortable in the pocket, he can't find Travis Kelsey, 
and he cannot get that offense moving the way that it's used to moving. So who you got? I have the Chiefs still. <laughs> I still have the Chiefs, man. And the reason I'm saying Chiefs is just because it's simple. I think a lot of the sharp betters are actually on the 49ers right now because I think they're a more complete team. But I'm on the Chiefs because, and maybe this is just sort of the coward's way out. If I lose picking the Chiefs, I feel okay about myself. If I lose picking against them, I feel like a moron. Did that in the AFC Championship game. I don't want to do that two times in a row. It's coward's way out. It's coward's way out. Now, last year at the Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski went wide left on FanDuel's Kick of Destiny. Now he's back for Kick of Destiny 2. And this time you can play along. All you have to do is choose if Gronk will make or miss. Get your free pick in right now because if you're right, you win a share of $10 million in bonus bets. Everyone can get in on the action when Gronk takes his shot at redemption before Super Bowl 58. Whether your team make or team miss, just head to FanDuel Sportsbook app to get your pick in. It's absolutely free. Then tune in before the game to see Gronk's kick live. You'll win a share of $10 million in bonus bets if you're right. New to FanDuel? Just visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K. G-A-B-E-K. Again, G-A-B-E-K. That is my promo code to sign up. Make every moment more FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. No purchase necessary. $10 million prize pool to be split equally among all eligible participants who made the correct pick. Prize issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook gambling problem called Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Now it's time to go ahead and bring on Jeff Calkins. We'll do that next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 